because I've been prayed for once, so I'm going to carry this chain around because God, God can't forgive me for that again. Or I can't let my church family know that I went right back to it. Or maybe I did okay for a while, but I, I went back. I'm, I'm there again. I'm dealing with that guilt. What chain are you struggling with? Is it depression? Because, man, that hits hard for a lot of people. And I hesitate to bring that up because it isn't something that I have personally struggled with myself. So I, I, I struggle with how to identify with people. I have, well, irrational confidence, pride, whatever you want to call it. That's what I struggle with. But there are many that struggle with depression, anxiety, fear. We each have something we have to deal with. I feel like I shouldn't be up here because, God, I, I've messed up this week. I, I've, I'm struggling with pride. I'm struggling with this. I shouldn't be there. right? You may stand up here and say, I'm just not worthy to ever be what he's doing right now. What is that chain that you're carrying? You know, it's not always sin. Right? I mean, or the things that we would put on a list if I said list all the sins you can think of. But maybe it's just a habit. Maybe the chain that is holding you back is simply a habit that is keeping you from spending the time with God that you need to be doing. What are you being, Chancy? What are you talking about? Okay. How much time do you spend on your cell phone? There's an easy one, right? What habit do you have? How much time, you know, hey, Siri, Google, how much time did I spend on Insta Facebook? Right? Insta tick, Insta tick face? Whatever, right? You know, mash them up. That's what they do, right? This is our culture, you know? Insta tick face. I like that one. <laughs> Copyright that. All right. But those habits that we have, you know, I, I could tell, if I pulled my phone up and looked at the time I spent on apps, I spent more time on my phone in one of the little games I play on my phone than I did in the Bible app. Guilty. And yes, I have a paper Bible, and I spent time in that too. But I'm pretty sure if I added them both together, it's still, nope. So is what's holding me back from connecting with God this week not necessarily something I would put on a list of sins, but it's a habit, something that I do, something that I justify, I need some release. Man, it was a rough week. I just need to zone out and play a video game for a little bit. What is it that's keeping me back? This one's the... This one and God and I fought about a little bit because I'm not sure how to, how to articulate this. 
So please, please be gracious in how you receive this. But is the chain that you're carrying misplaced faith? Because we sit in a church and we talk about faith being a good thing. God, give me more faith. God's the author and finisher of my faith. And we can just start going off down all those boom, boom, boom. Those things that, those verses that we know why faith is amazing. But faith is nothing. Now, before you misquote me on that, right? We have to understand what faith is. Because faith, it isn't about faith. I was involved in a Bible study with work, at work, with some co-workers. On our lunch breaks, we would get together, we would pray, we would read the Bible together, and we'd talk. And one of my co-workers, I don't know how else to say it, but he worshipped faith. To the point where it became uncomfortable for me, so finally I cornered him on it and I said, or I asked him, said, what do you mean by some of the things you said? And I don't even really remember what he said, but I remember the question I asked him. I said, are you saying... That if I was flying in an airplane, and I opened the door, and I stepped out, I wouldn't fall to the ground. And he said, if enough people believed that you, didn't, you wouldn't fall, you wouldn't fall. Now, that's a pretty impressive faith, right? I'm going to just step out of this plane, and if enough people are believing, I'm just going to stay floating. But what was the problem with that faith? His faith was in faith, right? But that, that's not what the church is about. That's not what we're about. That's not what the Bible says. Our faith is in Jesus Christ, right? In him alone. Because I will fail you. I'm human. I will fail you. This church, while I think it's amazing, is going to fail you. The people here are going to fail you. Yeah. So will every other church. Spoiler alert, right? <laughs> but back to misplaced faith. Is your chain misplaced faith? But I had to kind of go back to where should our faith be in Jesus Christ? So my question is your faith in Jesus Christ, or is your faith in a prayer you said as a child? Do you sit in this room today, comfortable being in church, knowing you're going to heaven because you prayed as a child? What you do right now, that's what you do right now. But I prayed as a kid. They told me if I said this prayer, I would go to heaven. I mean, you probably were told that. I was told that. But is that what God said? Or did God say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. If you're sitting here today in your faith, your ticket into heaven is just some prayer you said as a child, then your faith may be I'm not, I can't make this decision for you. I can't judge you on this. I just ask you to ask yourself, is your faith in a prayer or is your faith in Jesus Christ? I 
and not to let some of the rest of you off. But is your prayer, is your faith in your current service for God? I serve in the church. I give money to the poor. I help widows and orphans. Right? The Bible says that, you know, that, that pure religion is, you know, helping the widows and orphans and feeding the poor and the hungry, right? I do those things. So I'm going to be good. The Bible says in Corinthians, right, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels but don't have love, I'm nothing. The same thing applies here. I can do all the good things that I can think of to do, but if I don't have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I don't have anything. And if I, why these two matter is like coming back to is if I want more of Jesus, if I want a real relationship with Jesus, then I've got to stop thinking I'm good enough because I prayed a prayer 25 years ago or stop thinking that I'm good enough because I'm doing these things for Jesus, but I'm not having a personal relationship with him now. That putting my faith in those actions, putting my faith in those acts are keeping me from having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ right now. It's a chain that I'm going to put on myself because I've got to, carry, I've got to keep up those acts. I've got to keep serving, got to keep giving in order to maintain that relationship instead of actually having a relationship. So what does this look like in the Bible? You, we sang today, talking about wanting more of you, God. We want you to break our chains. We want all these things. And man, it just thrilled me what Ben shared from Acts because it lines up with some of these other passages that I was studying out this week. In John chapter 5, we hear about this guy. He's crippled, been crippled his whole life kind of thing. And he's laying by this pool of water. Little backstory: there's this pool of water. Ancient lore said that the an angel would stir up the water and the first person in gets healed kind of thing, right? And so he's been laying here for years, could never get in first. Other people had people helping him, all that kind of thing. He was never the first one in, never got healed, all that thing. And as far as we know as ancient lore, there's no, the Bible doesn't talk about anybody actually getting healed there, right? But he was sitting there waiting to be healed for something that wasn't ever going to bring him healing. Is that us? Are you, can you sit here today and say, hey, I'm going to, Jesus and I are going to be good. I just need him to take care of this first. And may, what does that look like? Well, maybe that looks like some revenge. I know revenge sounds like a dirty word and you wouldn't call it revenge, I mean, you would just call it justice <laughs> because, you know, God is justice, so God loves justice, so this isn't revenge. God doesn't like revenge. He loves justice. And that person messed with me, so he's got to take care of that first. Like this man who sat by the pool waiting for healing from something that wasn't even real, for something that was never going to heal him and bring him the healing he wanted, we can sit at this altar, we can sit in these pews wanting God to heal us, but we, need, we think we need something else first. Something that's never going to bring healing. 
We've been hurt by someone, but we think that we need them to be hurt, them to feel the pain before we can walk in that. I went through a really awkward situation in college and somebody wronged me and I got, I got resentful of it and it, it went on for a long time and it, it affected my ability and my relationship with Christ. And it wasn't until I resolved that and confessed that to Christ that I was bitter that I could have a relationship with him again. And once I had that, then I was able to go to that person and resolve it. But I thought that God had to take care of this before I could move on. And I was waiting for something, waiting for something to change, waiting for God's justice to be meted out. It reminds me of the story of Jonah, right? And if you don't know the story of Jonah, Jonah had his like worst enemies in the world, right? Or is the city of Nineveh over there, the Assyrians. And God said, go preach the gospel to them. And Jonah says, I don't want to. I want you to kill them instead. So he ran the other way. That's what he's doing. He's running the opposite way of what God told him to do. Dude was a prophet, right? And knew God's voice, knew exactly what God told him to do and said, ah, nope, not for them. They don't deserve it. So he ran the other way. That's when he got thrown over the boat. Whale swallows him, hauls him back the other direction, pukes him out on shore. Like, nope, God's like, nope, this is where you're going. Like, okay, fine. Walks into the middle, preaches to the whole thing, walks outside, sets up shop, and is like, gonna watch him burn. He was sure God's wrath was gonna come down on the people. And he ended up being ticked off when the people actually <laughs> turned to Jesus. Is that you? Would you really be happy if those people that had messed with you suddenly started getting blessed by God? That church that wronged you, that treated you wrong, if they started blowing up and revival was happening and healings were happening and amazing things were going on and they were doubling in size and they were changing their community for Christ, would you be happy about that? Or would you still be mad at those people because they wronged you? Lord, help us see. Because we hide these things. Sometimes we want to get to Jesus. We want that healing. But we just lay there by something that's never going to heal us. You know, there's another story in Luke chapter 5 of another dude that need healing. And his friends picked him up, right? They brought him to Jesus, but he was, there were so many people packed around him, they couldn't get to Jesus. So they get a little ingenious, right? And they haul him up to the roof of the house, which at that time was more of like a thatch kind of thing, and it was flat, and basically they like ripped a hole in the ceiling and started letting this guy down through, right? To get him to Jesus, because they knew that Jesus could heal him. Maybe there's somebody that's been inviting you to church over and over and bringing you to church, trying to put you in front of Jesus and as close to Jesus as they can. Back to the previous story, maybe you're the people in the front row that are getting really ticked off that someone's getting lowered in between you and Jesus. I was here eight hours before the gates opened. <laughs> what you doing getting in front of me in line, right? I want to be up there, right? So all you religious people, like me, Lord, forgive us. 
But this guy is getting lowered down in front of Jesus, and he lays there. And while the religious people are judging, Jesus is healing. I've got another one I'm going to hit at, and then I want to try to wrap these together. Later on in Luke, a couple chapters later, chapter 8, there's a woman who's been dealing with an issue of blood. Doesn't go into a lot of detail. She's just been that. Now, if you, well, that may not sound as bad in today's, because issue of blood, don't really know what that is, right? But blood also made them unclean. So in the midst of all of this, right, she isn't just dealing with a health issue. She would have been excluded from the community because the, you can't be you become defiled, you can't go into the temple, all those things, right? There's, so there's a whole bunch of history in backstory in the, in the law that I'm not going to go into today, but the point is don't diminish what this woman had gone through, right? Not only was she dealing with healings, lots of people tried to heal her, all that kind of thing, and she'd been excluded from the community. Here she is pushing through to get to Jesus. You may be pushing through, trying to get just close enough that you can get your healing. But it comes back to what Ben shared out of Acts. When the angels showed up, the, the chains were already off of him. And he said, get dressed and let's go. When Jesus walked up to the guy at the pool, what did he do for him? What did he tell him to do? Pick up your mat and let's go. When the guy let down through the roof and was laying there in front of Jesus, Jesus said, pick up your mat and go. There wasn't, there wasn't this big bolt of lightning that had to happen. It was it's done. Let's move on. One of the struggles that I deal with as a kid who grew up in church, I know that dealing with sin requires repentance. And sometimes I turn all of that into a thing. And I, please don't misunderstand me here, but repentance is key to forgiveness, right? We've got to turn away. But sometimes I feel like I've got to show God that I've repented before I can truly gain the forgiveness. The person was there in front of him and Jesus said, pick up your mat and walk. Repentance talks about doing a 180 and heading the other direction, right? He picked up his mat and walked away from it. He was done with it. It didn't require him to do some act in that moment to prove to Jesus that he really believed. Right? Over and over through the Bible, I just thought of the, the woman caught in adultery, and they bring her there, ready to stone her. And he said, go and sin no more. The repentance, the change came when, the cha when they realized the, that the chains were already off. God gives you the opportunity to walk away from something today. 
for me, I struggled with something for a long time. And I tried different ways that I was going to change my behavior, going to change what I struggled with, whatever that may be. And the, it's not important for this message, but not to diminish what it was. But it wasn't until I, there was one Sunday I can remember, and it, it's clear in my mind, and it was just, somebody said, just lay it at the altar and walk away. And for me, it's like, God, I've tried that a hundred thousand times. And he kind of came back with, yeah, but you always try something all of those times. How about like literally just putting it there and being done with it? It's like, all right, God, whatever. Try that too. You know what? It's gone. And all I can say is thank you, Jesus, because it's not because of something I did. Sometimes God doesn't purposely, sometimes God purposely does stuff in a way that there's no way we can take credit for it. Have you guys ever experienced that? Like there's sometimes where, where we try to set everything up right. If you guys remember the worship service that happened down in the Excel room, right? We tried to create an atmosphere. We tried to do this, try to do that. Power goes out. It gets hot. There's no electricity. But God moved in an amazing way. Not because we did anything. Not because we made it great or made it comfortable. Because we were packed in there like sardines and cooking. But because... Sometimes things happen like that because there's no way we can take credit for what God is going to do. That's when God moves. That's what it took for me. So the question I have for you is, what is it going to take for you to break through and walk away from that chain? This is really what I wanted to get to in this service today is asking, what's it going to take? Man, Kira's story is amazing. And I love it. And I love celebrating what Jesus did in her life. And while chemical addiction for her was obvious, she said she looked in the mirror and didn't even recognize herself. I stand here looking at a bunch of church people that have put on enough mass that I can't see what it is. But in no less way do I believe that there is something that each one of us are struggling here. Because you sang it. You sat here and sang that you wanted Jesus to break your chains. So there's something in there that you are struggling with that you want broken free of. So what's keeping you from doing it? Kiera said she just hit her knees in the middle of a cell. And turned it over to Jesus. You're standing here today in the middle of a church. It's cleaner, I'm sure. It's not concrete, it's carpet. And you don't even have to come up here. But Jesus today is offering you the opportunity for freedom. And I can say that in confidence because that's the Jesus that I serve. He doesn't want me to live in sin. He doesn't want me to live in bondage. He says, come to me. My burden is light. He wants to take that away from you. So I can say that in faith and in confidence because that's the God that I serve. And today, if you want to walk away from that, you can't, 
Help me to explain this, Lord. We can't say, keep saying we want that, but not do anything for it. The, sometimes it takes a lot of work, right? So Kira, thank you. She said she hit her knees in the middle of the, the, the jail cell, right? And then it was all better. She didn't have to do anything else, right? <laughs> was it that easy? <laughs> Absolutely not. Now, I'm, I'm not saying it takes works, but it takes work, right? Does that make sense? There's a big difference there. We don't, Kira doesn't need to come up here and start, you know, serving in the church and doing all these things that Christians should do, right? What Kira needs to do is follow Jesus, and that's what she's doing. And she is testifying to God's grace along the way. But if we sit here and we act like we have to do something to earn Jesus, then we've missed the point. Sometimes we see. Uh, sometimes we build up what we think that looks like. We have seen people prayed over at this altar screaming as they were freed from things. We have seen people crying in tears with people praying over them, and we can't build up that that's the only way that chain freedom looks like. You don't have to come up here and do that. You are welcome to, and I celebrate that. I love the visual of that. That, that speaks to me. But God never made you do that. God never demanded you come to the front of a church. Dude, there was a guy on a cross dying next to Jesus, right? And God's like, okay, as soon as you're done over there, would you get down and kneel before me too? No. He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Freedom from your chain doesn't, doesn't require you to do something for God. Stop trying to do something for God. Start trying to do something with God. God. I'm not trying to impress him. I've kind of already lost at that one. So it's going to take work for me to change, right? It starts with Jesus, though. I'm going to, I got to go back. And I know this seems Sunday school answer and the, the too simple, right? But it starts with Jesus, right? Then I've got to do work. Kira, you're just going to be my object lesson today. I didn't even know, right? But it started with Jesus, right? She knelt down and said yes to him, right? Then it took work, took rehab. It took community service. It took getting clean and going through withdrawal. It was hard work. So there was Jesus, there was hard work, and then there was change. What do you mean? I mean, I can't keep doing the same thing I've always done. I have written down in my notes the same quote that Kiera did, often attributed to Albert Einstein that says, the definition of insanity is what? Keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result. 
Given that quote, I would say that 90% of the church is insane. Now, you may be offended that I just called you insane. Sorry about that. Didn't, uh, yeah, I probably didn't mean to offend you. But anyways, the, be, I did it not to be mean, though, but to make you think. Chancy, what do you mean by that? Because if I keep coming to church, sitting in the same pew, singing the songs, doing nothing different, and I keep asking God to break these chains and to change my life, but I keep walking in the exact same footsteps that I did last week, why would I expect him to change? I can't spend the same three minutes in the Bible app twice last week and then come to church on Sunday and think, I'm going to have a different relationship with Jesus this week. Right? I mean, we can't. We have a formula that we tend to follow, and man, we're human. We love routines. I get it. I absolutely get it. I am a creature of habit, right? They make things easier. But if I want God to do something different, I've got to start trying something different. If I want more of God, then I need to spend more time with God. I have to give up those habits James chapter 1, verses 24 and 25 says, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. You come up here, you come to church, you worship, you sing, you tell me that, you tell God that you want him to do something more. And then you walk out and walk the same six days that you walked before. And you come into church the next Sunday and you do it all again. Olahana stood up here and basically accused us of being spiritual junkies. I loved it. It was amazing. I love that analogy. Where we come here to get our fix of Jesus... And then we move on. And we'll be back next Sunday to get another fix and then move on. But the church isn't your spiritual drug dealer, right? The church is here to change you. And we don't change you, Jesus changes you. This is a group of people trying to be changed by Jesus, and we're trying to press into Him. I struggled with this message and I feel like I feel like I'm wagging my finger and I'm sorry. I tried to put some examples in here where I talked about my struggles too. But the question is is what are we going to do different? What now? If we want this to be different, we've got to change. The church of today is not the church that it was back in May of last year when I t- spoke about leveling up. I think as a church, we have leveled up. I feel like what I see in people is that they're growing, that they are truly pursuing God. So let's keep going. But I really felt like God wanted me to challenge you today to not press so hard for wanting him to break the chains, 
that we don't take the time for the introspection to see what he's already told us. There's something in our lives that's holding us back. The one that I couldn't get away with from, that I didn't want to talk about, was the ones up the beginning. Are you sitting here in church thinking you're going to heaven because you prayed a prayer 20 years ago? Or do you currently have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Because I'm not going to tell you whether you're going to heaven or not. That's not up to me. But I'm going to tell you that Jesus says he wants a relationship with you today. Today. Don't leave without it. So what's, what's, what do I, what do I, what's the application? Where do I tell you to go from here? I've begged God, like, how do I wrap this up and take it somewhere? How do I give them something to walk away from here today with? Because I want you all to be able to be, feel free to come up here and lay it down and walk out changed people. Sometimes these things take some real introspection. Maybe you already know exactly what I'm talking about. Trust me, I have no idea what it is. I, I can look at each one of you people and I think I love you. I know almost everybody's name in this room. I've got no idea what it is you're struggling with. So what do you do now? Pursue Jesus. That's all. Pursue Jesus. And you already have. You're doing the right thing, right? God, I want to be changed. God, I want to be free of this. But then we've got to be willing to make the change. You really want to be free of this? Then what are you going to do different? Kira, you really want to be free of a, an addiction? What are you going to do different? She got help. That's why we exist as a church. We want to be that help if you need it. And I'm not talking specifically about chemical addiction because I'm no good to help you with that. But I can point you to Jesus and I can help you find resources that are great for that because that is a difficult struggle. And you know what? Maybe what it is you're struggling with is something like that where you need real resources to help you. Let's help you find those. But maybe all you need is what you've known, what you prayed for 35 years ago, and you've been sitting on, but never really internalized, and that's a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'll share my testimony. I'm a kid that grew up in church. Our, we had church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. My dad was one of the deacons, an elder. My mom was the treasurer. We were at church. If the doors were open, we were at church. If the doors were closed, we were probably at the church fixing the church in between running the farm, right? That's who I, how I grew up. I heard Jesus every day. We had family devotions. I heard Jesus every day. We only listened to Christian music, and there was only three stations that reached the little farm in the backwoods of nowhere, right? The country station, the other country station, and then a Christian station that didn't play music. It was preaching all the time. Except after 11, when mom and dad went to sleep, they actually played some, you know, guitar music. So 
I was that kid, right? And I had Jesus in me all the time. And I prayed for Jesus to save me as a young age, as a little kid. And I prayed over and over again. And in fact, I prayed every single time I got scared that Jesus would save me because I wasn't quite sure that I did it right the last time. And just in case, I'm going to make sure it's right. And I did that over and over and over and over again. When it was dark, I prayed because I was scared. When I wasn't sure about something, I prayed because I was scared. But at a vacation Bible school in 1992, the pastor said that our faith isn't in a prayer. Our faith is in Jesus Christ. And if you truly trust Jesus Christ, you don't have to keep praying that prayer over again because he is the one who is faithful. And it was at that moment where my, my relationship with Jesus Christ transformed from a relationship that was relying on a prayer and a specific set of words in a certain order that was somehow going to change my eternal future. And it changed to a prayer and a relationship with a God who was going to change my eternal future and that I was going to walk with for the rest of my life. That was salvation for me. That moment where my faith went from the prayer to the person is when Chancey went from destined to hell and eternal separation from God to going to heaven. That's when it changed for me. So that's my challenge to you today. What is it that you are putting your faith in? Is it in something that you did a long time ago or is it in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that you have right now? And if you have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ and you want more, then what are you doing to change today so you don't keep doing the same thing you always did? Don't leave here insane. Don't come back here next Sunday the same way you did. Next Sunday is Easter. That's like the ultimate chain breaking. Why? Because the first chain that I talked about that we put on ourselves as human was death when we disobeyed God. And at the moment that Jesus raised from the dead, he proved victory over sin and death. So you can come back here next Sunday for Easter, ready to celebrate the fact that he broke the biggest chain of them all. Or you can come back here and do the same thing you've done every time, every week so far this year. Those are your choices. And I, this isn't a feel-good, funny service like I like. Prefer, I prefer to do those, man. I prefer to be the children's ministry pastor. But I feel like today I've come with something that is a challenge. And I hated putting this together because I fought with God over it. I don't think I've ever spent as much time preparing for a sermon as I did with this one. Part of it, I think, was because I had to spend a lot of time searching my own heart. If I want something different, what am I going to do different? I can't keep doing the same thing and expecting my relationship with God to change. That's it. I don't, I, it's not a super eloquent way to end a service. I guess I need to work on that. But um, all I can tell you is what I feel like I struggled through this week. You heard the stories the examples from the Bible. When Jesus came, he said, pick up your mat and walk. Be free of those things. They do not own you. They do not control you. They do not define you. Our world tells us so many things that 
this is who you are. This defines you. You are a whatever. You're defined by your job. You're defined by your marriage. You're defined by your kids. You're defined by your ethnicity. You're defined by the color of your skin. You're defined by your political affiliation. That's not what Jesus said. So lay those down. And walk. The the words that just came to me, the words that we speak over and over when we baptize people in that right behind, if you didn't know, there's a pool behind that screen, right? I'm pointing at the screen. You're all like, what is he doing? Okay. So there's a baptismal behind there, which is a pool of water where we in what a baptism is symbolizing, right? Is we dunk people under the water the same way that Jesus died and was rose again, right? It's the, the whole thing of Easter played out when we're like plunging people under the water over and over again, right? But in, in our church, one of the, the phrases that we use, right, is dying to self and raising to walk in newness of life. Will you die this week? Sounds really weird, doesn't it? But are you willing to die to self this week to walk in something new? Are you willing to walk away from that chain? Sometimes change can be so, we we actually get accustomed to them and it feels weird to walk without them. Is that possible? I mean, I've experienced that. When I walked away from bitterness towards this person, it felt weird to walk. And when I saw that person, I didn't avoid them. It felt weird. But it was because a chain was gone. I'm done, I guess. I don't know what else to say. (laughs) Let's pray. God... I tried to be obedient today. And I hope that what was heard this morning was what you wanted them to hear. God, forgive us. Lord, we're a church full of broken people that are messed up, that we take good things like a relationship with you and we make it into a thing of works and we do it over and over again. And God, we're here again, certifiably insane. But God, we say today, And we choose today that we're going to try to do it different. But not because of the power that is in us, but because of the power of Jesus Christ. The power that has already broken the chains that are on our wrists, that are on our hands, that are wrapped around our necks. Lord, those chains are broken off and we claim that in the name of Jesus Christ because you want us to walk free. Lord, we take on your yoke, your burden, because it is light and it is filled with your love for us. God, I pray that your spirit would speak to us in this moment, that we would hear the truth that you are trying to tell us this moment and that we would respond. It's in your name we pray.